Alright Man Jonah snuck up on us Quick than a motherfucker I, I just released some cuffs And now look Here we are Look Recruiting season Take one <laughs> June is so busy. It's so busy. Conferences, music festivals, vacations. Work. Niggas is going to Essence, and a bitch can't wait. I'm ready. Avion, Grey Poupon. That Avion, that Grey Poupon. Ted Talk. Hey. Let's not pretend. Niggas gotta get ready. Niggas gotta get ready, okay? It's really stressful giving one of these motherfucking TED Talks. Insider, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> y'all ever watch them motherfuckers and be like, dang, that teleprompter they reading is ill as the fuck. <laughs> y'all, why are these folks memorizing these speeches? All, every TED Talk is memorized. Y'all. <laughs> I don't know if y'all know this about us, but... You know, we might kill a couple brain cells before we get on this mic. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, they told a real nigga that she had to memorize a speech. <laughs> that shit fake. You don't kill no brain cells. That's a lie. It sure is war on drugs. And <laughs> a motherfucker is forgetful, okay? <laughs> All I'm trying to do is not be up there on Easter Sunday like your third cousin is. <laughs> Jesus is the reason My little candle <laughs> My Um My Come sit your ass down You ain't memorized your speech <laughs> <laughs> It's okay baby Take your time No Look Ain't no time to take This is TED Talk bitch Yeah And I'm trying to be <laughs> on the bridge Of the album With the twins Blue Beyonce And Jay Z <laughs> I hope she When the three became five <laughs> at 4.44. When to become one. <laughs> Bro, my sister texts me on that shit like, I think the twins are here. Which they probably are. They totally are here. They're absolutely Beyonce about to pull some legendary shit and come back snatched as the fuck like whip babies. <laughs> <laughs> Surprise. Surprise, huh? Bang. But y'all know, basically, we're warming up to tell you one simple fact. Man. Bitches got to take a break. Yeah. We try. We really did try to make it work, y'all. Yes. Your government, we see your government fucking up. I mean, burn the shit down and let's start over is my opinion. Before we get there, so Black Joy Mixtape will be on hiatus until, I'm sorry, y'all, July 7th. July 7th. After the all-white parties for the 4th, you know. (laughs) Niggas celebrating a holiday that really wasn't made in our image. But still, a nigga got a clean white linen suit. Oh, A fresh yes. pair of gators for y'all. Pelly Pelly. <laughs> a Nietzsche outfit. Goddamn, Chris and a motherfucker. I better see Pele, some of Nietzsche rompers. Pele. July 4th. Pelle, Pelle. Do you understand? Jabo. I need that. Jabo. <laughs> nigga. <laughs> But why is like feline shit making a comeback right now? Why it's does all coming back? Ray Schremer got a whole ass Reebok. Uh, <laughs> I'm like, yeah, Reebok's about to be Fire Flames in DC. Let me go ahead and get them. Why they thirty dollars? Two for ten. <laughs> For them motherfuckers blow up. So you might be asking yourself, oh no, what we gonna do between now and July 7th? Well, y'all, look, Auntie Maxine told y'all the FBI has zero credibility. Y'all know how to take these hearings. Y'all know what to do. Everybody's fucking lying. Comey may call Trump a liar, 
But Comey still has zero credibility. I can't really answer that question in open air. But close. I got you, fam. <laughs> I got some thoughts. <laughs> I have all the thoughts. This is such bullshit. So that's one. Two, Bill Maher, been racist, gonna be racist. Been a racist and I've been a racist. And if y'all want some real niggas that can say nigga, you know, on your TVs, tell HBO you want Black Joy mixtape on that motherfucker on Friday night. Every Friday nights, what's good? What's up? And saying nigga isn't the worst thing Bill Maher has done. He's literally running a narrative on that show that the white supremacists like aren't terrorists. They're not that bad. Okay, and you dropped the N-word the same week as niggas getting shot up and shit on Max Trains, whatever. We, yeah, we covered that. and uh, We told y'all, y'all good. Y'all, y'all are ready for a productive summer break. Tell HBO, though, <laughs> that, you know, you want some niggas who got ancestry with House Anfield niggas in their DNA. <laughs> as well as the warriors and free-ass motherfuckers we are right here and right now. <laughs> I'm a house nigga. Hold on. <laughs> Bitch. <laughs> And you know, black women are always gods. I read this week that a black woman won Olympic gold after having an abortion that same week. So, same stuff, Mm y'all. But, you know, take your pens and papers, study throughout the summer, hop on the hashtag Black Joy Mixtape, throw some headlines on there. Let's start waxing them for each other while we're on this little break. Black Joy Jubilee, y'all talk to each other, share the headlines, tell each other to look alive, put each other on alert. <laughs> you know? And I I'm going to be an essence, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to be at home with y'all. <laughs> I'm about to be girls tripping and shit after a, te- after a TED talk. <laughs> essence, if you're listening, I think you are. <laughs> <laughs> Look, Essence. <laughs> I let us Black Jordan mixtape with love attempt to host uh, something. Yes, let us introduce Oprah or something. Get an interview or Oprah's dog. I don't know. I know the dancing dolls gonna perform again. Let us introduce them. Yes, D D4L. <laughs> that would be my dream, honestly. To let be us backstage. Pass, let us give the mic to like Master P as he joins Solange on stage for an all white musical ten piece band ensemble. In fact, let us manage you know whatever red carpet backstage area so we can do that exactly be, this uh, commentary. Uh, Amazing on your Insta story. Pitch the job you want. I mean, I just got ideas. We can figure this out, Essence. Nigga, it I know be... one of y'all here. I know you gonna see a nigga <laughs> ask, ask anybody a question. Come on. It would be so great. Please let me ask Tamar some questions. <laughs> Please. Is Cardi gonna be gonna be there, yes or no? I look, just <laughs> make it happen. You anyway. probably want to keep us away from Nick Cannon, but you know I got plenty. Got plenty to say, you know. Tyrese, what, 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 whatever. What's good? <laughs> um, so July seventh, we will return, and we are so excited to introduce this pre-recorded piece that we have for you all. Ashe, Ashe. As you know, during May we did Creators Month. Creators Month. And while Creators Month had a host of folks, yeah, so we had the an abortion story featuring Misha Lay. Yep, and then we had uh, 
God is a Black Mother with Jen Stowe. Yes. We had Teen Mamas Are Mamas with Gloria Malone. Beautiful. And Y'all are still tweeting come, uh, like takeaways from that. It's pretty great. Yes. And to conclude that little set, Ode to Dinka Nash featuring Malaya. The God. The God. So it's only natural that we concluded this series with the creators that y'all listen to every week here on the Black Joy Mixtape. Amber J. Phillips, the High Priestess of Black Joy, and myself, Jazz, the King of the South. Hey, what it do? We did something special for y'all. We interviewed each other. Yes, we did. <laughs> You'll enjoy it. Tell us what you think. Hit the hashtag. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter, Black Joy Mixtape. And let's jump into it. Let's do it. <laughs> this is Amber J. Phillips, the High Priestess of Black Joy. And this is Jazz, the King of the South. And you are listening to the Black Joy Mixtape. Hey, what do you do? Ow. Girls, 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 You don't know about it. Ten inches down my leg, you should know about it. Before we go about it, let me flow about it. I put the dick down and then made a show about it. I laid Tosh Point Everybody paid to see the star of the show. And at this very moment, I'm queen. And it don't even matter that I got a ding a ding. It is. And technically, we are creators, Amber. Technically, bitch. I know I done made a couple. I, I got a couple sons. And I ain't got not a single social security number for them. Well, I might no. have one or two. Can't claim nobody on my taxes but myself. You know, I'm. Yeah. But happy Mother's Day to me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm feeding a lot of you niggas, okay? Me too. Yeah. Now that I think about it, but in, absolutely, bitch. May or may not be food. But speaking literally, we are. <laughs> <laughs> but it is food. It is. Eat it like a. Sh- <laughs> Come on, you can take a spoon of my mean? shit. All right. <laughs> Just at least a biscuit will ruin your life. <laughs> <laughs> I've had to call. I have call, had to call a hard pause on so much recently. Okay, so for real. Okay, <laughs> seriously. Creators Month. We're going to conclude with asking each other some questions. <laughs> we're going to interview each other. We're going to interview each other. This may or may not be a good idea. <laughs> I don't I'm have excited. any questions prepared. I don't have any questions prepared. I just have like my mind. <laughs> But I have some I have some thoughts. And I also think that I just love our listeners so much. I love y'all. And I just want y'all to know, like, there's a, an addition to the bullshit that we bring to this mic every week. <laughs> We're just these full ass human beings <laughs> that I saw another person on the bus this week. It was great. Yeah, I have to go to work. I do. Y'all are so amazing. I have followed a few of you on Snapchat. You know who you are. You know, you might want to look alive when you follow me on Snapchat. If you're just watching the snaps, not interacting, you know, I might not follow you. But if you mess around, say something to me. If you catch me on the right day, 
you might get a follow. And y'all is living some beautiful ass, gorgeous ass Bruh. lives. And y'all, the Black Joy Jubilee is fine as the fuck. And the fuck. if y'all ain't out here making connections with one another, I don't know what y'all doing. Cause Leave me alone. First question. <laughs> First question I have in honor of Creators Month for you, Jasmine, is we talk about creating because we birth things like um the mixtape as well as you know just different projects in our life what was your first dream for like your life oh for my life Mm -hmm. being michael jackson's best friend really that was my first dream i used to love (laughs) michael jackson i taped the oprah winfrey michael jackson interview at uh, Never Neverland. Yeah, I watched it. I was not even six. I was between the ages of five and seven. I don't remember uh-huh. what age, but I used to love me some Michael Jackson. Rock with You was my favorite song. I used to. My daddy mm. has a stereo system with headphones, and I used to plug in the headphones. And just listen to this song. It made me so happy. Yeah. I'm an only child, so I was a weird kid. (laughs) But that was my first dream slash life career. As I got older. That's smart. (laughs) I like it. I love, I feel like our generation definitely loved them some motherfucking Michael Jackson. Yeah. And kids also... Like, I just find it weird when kids be talking about they want to be police officers and firemen, like, before they teen. Because I'm just like, that's practical as the fuck. Like, those are jobs when you just, like... It's just weird. I just don't know. Like, let kids be kids. Let kids say they want to be half cotton candy, half giraffe when they grow up. Like, that... That means things. Yes. But later on, I decided I wanted to be a doctor, and we see how that came out. I became a king instead. <laughs> Great. <laughs> what about you, Amber? What was my first dream? I hate talking about the early years because it was all <laughs> associated with being the best church goer ever. Like, that's what I wanted. It would even, I would say, like, my first real dream outside of, like, being a pastor. Check this out, though. What? Guess what? What? Nigga, you became a high priest. (laughs) Still out here from the pulpit, huh? What's good? Yo, oh my God. I tried so hard to hold on to that dream. Even when I, like, read my first Bell Hooks book, I'm like, I'm going to start a church for love. And feminism. And look at you, got a sanctuary called Black Joy Headquarters. (laughs) I still did it. I still did it. But my first real, (laughs) real ass dream was be was to be the first Black Annie. (laughs) Because a, I had not seen Dream Girls yet. B, (laughs) my Broadway dreams would have totally been Effie all day long. Mm -hmm. But I really was into, because I grew up in the church and um, I sung and, you know, being in the church is high performance all the time. Um, I got really, I really wanted to do Broadway. I really wanted to be a performer. Um, I wasn't quite confident in my dancing skills because I was also fat. And now I know that that doesn't fucking matter because I will whip it fuck it up molly chop it on your ass real quick 
but I really wanted to be Annie. I wanted to um, do Broadway. I wanted to move to New York. Um, I have played several instruments in my life. Um, oh, which one? So I played the piano. Um, I played the xylophone. Like, seriously practice around this shit. Mm-hmm. Um, but the last interest, instrument that I played was viola. Oh, that's cool. And my twin sister, Allison, played the stand-up bass. So we was fucking y'all up in orchestra class. Man, mm-hmm. I played the violin in third grade, but then the teacher told me never to come back, and then I played the... <laughs> Only song I learned how to play was Twinkle Twinkle Little Star that whole year. But check this shit out. When I was in middle school, I started one. I picked up the viola because of the movie Music of the Heart with Meryl Streep. Man, I love me a white savior. Again, the church stuff. So, so I learned how to play, and my badass almost got kicked out of orchestra several times because I was still like cussing out my teachers. But, like, coming down to orchestra class, like, ready and practice to play, like, fur lease in springtime. I was a weirdo. I just went to do what the fuck I wanted to do. That's so great. I played the alto saxophone as well. Yeah. Northwest Middle School, Merle. Stand-up, sound of perfection, band, bow. <laughs> and that thing. Okay. Sexual leader. <laughs> yes, always a leader. Get you a sexy sex in your life. Yes. <laughs> so, that was so, my first dream. Then it became politics when I realized black people don't have shit because and, of our government. And here you are back at the church. Yeah. <laughs> I'm thankful. Amen. And as a creative and a creator of this podcast, what have been some of the challenges you have had to overcome in order to make your dreams happen, to make these creative yeah. projects happen? Um. So I think... Growing up and even coming to organizing work, I always knew I had this knack for like humor and talking to people um, and just being very deeply passionate about these issues that I felt like were um, disproportionately and unfairly impacting my family because I loved them so much and I knew that we had so much love between each other. But I I was really just shocked by not only our poverty, but literally how people treated us because of it. How people blame my mom a lot for being a single mother from my church family down to my school, down to the community, like all these different things. So when I think about, and to get to your question, um, even in trying to get through middle school and high school to get to college, which was a very big mental challenge for me because I knew college to be necessary but expensive. And I knew me to be smart but poor. Um, so I never really thought it was an option. So when I think about what I had to do and what I've seen my mother do to live um, and overcome financial challenges and being what we call low income, to me, the creativity part is um, easy or necessary the challenge my biggest challenge is forever around producing anything or creating anything that is close to my heart that I believe in is um feeling like it's just not good enough or that it's uh that I need to be doing something else or I need to be doing everything else but the thing that I'm really passionate about so I think when it comes to my creative work it's now 
to a point where I don't have as many barriers around it. Just frustrations around seeing how still I want to do creative work, but I'm an organizer who wants to address systematic racism and systematic oppression. And seeing that even in doing the creative work, even doing the thing that's supposed to be fun is met with challenges purely because I'm a black woman. Um, I feel like being in a digital space, I'm also a digital strategist. We kind of talk about this on the mixtape sometimes of people just not believing that you have that skill set, even when you're able to prove it over and over and over again. Girl, that's a word there. Um, and that to me is heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking because even when uh, when I think about what side of the aisle I picked or Democrat or progressive or what have you is because I thought we were the people who were working against that. But I see time and time again how um, it's just not always our intentions don't match what we're, how we're actually showing up in the world. But I still think the creative is necessary and that our stories just deserve to be told on our terms and not always given over to other people, like specifically nonprofit advocacy institutions. A lot of the things around hunger, around reproductive rights, are all based on the stories of black and brown people, of deeply marginalized people in order for people to see a problem. However, we are not the ones who benefit from telling our stories. We don't get to own our stories. No one loops back around to make sure that we are taken care of or supported. Um, Seeing that is heartbreaking and why I want more black people, more young people um, to tell their stories on their own fucking terms. And unfortunately, in a lot of these nonprofit advocacy institutions, we're put in a position to talk to people or talk to moderates who are a little, eh, a little lukewarm about whether or not black lives matter. Right. And we're talking to people who just adamantly don't think black lives matter, unfortunately. And, and that we tend to abandon the base or try to separate ourselves from the very communities that we come from and advocate for. And I think that when you're doing that convincing with those folks, mm-hmm. to me, there's quicker wins long-term gains of yeah. of like you, Jasmine, telling your story to someone like my twin sister mm-hmm. or telling your story to someone who is just like you, who has never met a black girl who looks like them, talks like them, um, who made it to the other side. Mm-hmm. There were no examples of that really when I was growing up. It was either or success looked like you working in local government, um, going to college, like at OSU, at Ohio State University, preaching, um, and just confining yourself to these rigid ideas of what black success looks like, which is riddled with respectability, instead of the goal being for you to be as free as possible and to bring more people along with you. Mm-hmm. So my frustration, my my barriers around creativity and organizing is always the focus of taking folks like us and using our stories to motivate people who aren't already on our side, instead of motivating people who look like us who are on our side to do more to be more active to be more directly tied to um addressing changes in their lives so to me it's all a big circle and it's all connected back to my family to be completely honest like 
I'm grateful for the Black Joy mixtape and starting Black because it's a place where if no one else can do this idea, I know I can. Mm-hmm. If no one else wants to hear a story about fat black girls doing political commentary, we can do it ourselves. And apparently there are thousands of people who actually want to see that. Ooh. Thousands of people who want to see us doing exactly what we're doing on this mixtape every week. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't, you know. <laughs> um, for you, I would ask the same question. As well as what brought you to this, what brought you to this work? What brought you to the work of thinking big about the South and what the South needs through the strategy work you're doing and then specifically through through the mixtape and create being a creative? That is a big question. So so one of my biggest challenges in being a creative for me has been around overcoming my socialized smallness. Mm. Um, I'm a black woman from the South and there is a way in which you can be big. You can be big in the home. You can be big in your families because we do come from matriarchs. Amen. But when you're out in public, you know, you can't really be too boastful. You can't really be difficult. While you can be sassy, you can be a little smart mouth, can be a little, you know, be shady in public like Phaedra Parks, for instance. Oh, we can't mention Phaedra. Anyway, (laughs) you aren't allowed to necessarily talk about yourself or your work um, in ways that can come off too braggy. Or I know recently folks have been talking about if... Um, a person compliments you, you have to say thank you. If you say thanks, they get offended. Or I know, if you say I know, the person who complimented mm-hmm. you will get offended. And in a lot of ways, I felt like that uh, impacted me growing up as well as being actually fat. You know, always trying to make myself small, smaller in a lot of ways. Um, always feeling like I never really fit into spaces because they make a lot of shit way too small. Um, I remember in undergrad, for instance, like the some some of the chairs and some of the buildings were just really awkward and awful. Mm-hmm. So anyway, um, I feel like that has been a challenge getting over that. And I think a, a shift for me was reading um, For Colored Girls by Narazaki Shange. Yes. And um, I cried multiple times the first time I read it. But then I came to the end and um, woman in red, she says, I found God in myself and I loved her fiercely. Mm-hmm. And it was when I read that, that I actively began to acknowledge and, um, for lack of better words, worship the God in myself. Because being in Mississippi, growing up Baptist, I knew what it meant to worship and praise God, but no one never taught me how to worship and praise myself. Mm-hmm. So at the time, I was probably like 20, 21 years old. And um, also, just full transparency, um, this is probably a couple years after um, my first partner raped me. Mm-hmm. And I had a lot of guilt. And he... Uh, also was abusive 
And so I read that choreo poem. And probably a little bit later, I found black feminism and I found reproductive justice. Mm. And suddenly, my life, my experiences just made sense. And not only did they make sense, well, it made sense in a sick way. I found out that I wasn't the only one. Mm. Um, And I found out not only was I not the only one, that black women were out here actively speaking out against that while also talking about how it's imperative that we change the way that masculinity is set up in this country. And so... Patriarchy specifically. Patriarchy specifically, Mm -hmm. as well as totally acknowledging that race and gender interact differently and cause a lot of things. So anyway, it brought a lot of answers to a girl who was secretly suffering, who didn't know or didn't have the language to talk about what had happened because because this person was my partner. I thought that, you know, this was my fault. I welcomed it. But also I knew that wasn't true. Mm-hmm. There was a part of me that always knew that wasn't true. So when I read Natazaki, when I found reproductive justice, I just felt like I started collecting pieces of myself again. Mm-hmm. And being able to collect pieces of myself it became a journey of being whole which essentially led me all roads like I I did organizing in Mississippi I've been working with black farmers in Mississippi and Alabama economic justice blah 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 but all of that including black joy mixtape is about for me about helping people Start their journey of being whole. Mm-hmm. If I can say something to y'all, like I found the God in myself and I loved her fiercely, like when I read that, if I've said anything on this Black Joy mixtape mm-hmm. to help somebody reclaim the pieces that somebody had took from them, the the pieces, you know, somebody walking off of all your stuff and leaving you with just a hairpin, a dust ball, and maybe a button. Mm-hmm. But you still got it. And those are your things. And you deserve to have those things. And you get to, you deserve to have more things. And you aren't defined by that dust ball and hairpin. So I think, um, yeah, so I think the things that I've had to overcome is very much tied to how I end up entering this work. And how, um, how I approach um, coming to this mic with you every week to do mm-hmm. this wonderful and healing um, project. Um, and I think Creators Month um, just signifies um, while we were having these conversations about an abortion story, while we're talking to, to young single mothers, teen mothers, as well as uh, a person talking about the ancestral mothers, all of that is a part of saying we're great. Just the way we are. Just as we are. To me, like, that is the big aha moment. (laughs) Like, that is the moment where you're like, I internalized something along the way that if I did everything right and to the best of my ability and use my personality to, like, wave a flag of, like, hey, take care, like, help us. You know, (laughs) like, I have A's. Um... I sing at church. Straight A's. Um, I 
teach Sunday school. Now will you help us? <laughs> now will you care? Like that was how I internalized a lot of my life. Like that if I could just be really, really good, that's I would be able to take my family from point A to point B. Does that make sense? And you found out that wasn't true. And I found out that it wasn't true in the context of I had to be less human in order to make it possible. Mm. That I am also allowed to care deeply for the people in my community and take care of myself and um, express myself in different ways and um, express my identity in different ways and that the house wouldn't come tumbling down if I did that, if I went away to college, if I... Um, change my hair. That was a big conversation with my family. Not so much that they hated natural hair, but they're like, well, what about getting a job? <laughs> <laughs> you want to work in D.C. How are you supposed to get a job with an afro? That's a real question when they Child. in the courts talking about it's okay to discriminate. And then I got locks. <laughs> um, it's amazing how much work black girls take on in order to save the issues of the world. But to, going back to what you said, it was just a real aha moment for me when someone took the time to explain systems of oppression mm-hmm. um, because it freed me up. It mm-hmm. freed me up that like, no matter if I'm in a suit, like this whole idea of like, it doesn't matter if you have a graduation cap or not, you can be out of here. Mm-hmm. So what does it mean to live life to the fullest extent of how you can live it? How can you give the most to the people you care about while also just being yourself and mm-hmm. how powerful that is? Mm-hmm. I shame. Yeah. Yeah, I man, them grandmothers. My grandmother used to call me fat and fine, y'all. No lies too. And um, here I am, the fat and fine motherfucker. Now, at the time when I was growing up, I just was like, why is this lady complimenting me and dissing me at the same time? Because <laughs> we thought fat was a bad thing. That was, yeah, yeah. That, that was in my lifetime. Mm-hmm. I and, will never forget when a church mother said I had nice legs. I was like... Wow, I never saw them before. Girl, that refinery interview, like my thighs being out, Thigh like out. my thighs was, I had the Husky Boy shorts on in the summer. I never got to wear cute shorts because Girl. they did not make plus size no. short shorts Fashion at all. Fashion bug short sets, bitch. That's what you got. That's, girl, I had on Bugle Boys. <laughs> Dickies. Looking uh, like I'm about to, you know, got a pocket full of stones for all y'all. You know, Jesus. like, so to be here, it's just, it's just wild. And so, like, Amber's talking about a lot of big things. But, like, there's people in my community that ain't seen a fat girl in a crop top. Like, no. no. I was in a the- store trying on clothes, and the clerk was like, you sure you want to be showing all that? That was the refinery outfit. Damn. And I'm just like, yes. Mm-hmm. Mine was <laughs> around my skin tone. People just... I will never forget the first time my mom put a little bit of purple blush on my face. Mm. And I went to church and literally everyone was like, you need to take that off because you're too dark to wear it. Oh. And like, I went, I went to the bathroom and took that shit off. Man. Yeah. And now I just like, give a fuck. (laughs) I'll wear what the fuck I want. I will fucking bronze the shit out these cheekbones. Have you seen them? So... I have another question for oh you. Oh, God. I feel like this is about to be some bullshit. 
How has being a creator impacted your dating life, especially over the last two years? Bitch, trash. (laughs) Trash. (laughs) Trash, trash, trash on top of my fucking trash. (laughs) But here's what I will say. It's also been great. It's also been great. I'm lying. I will say the motherfuckers who came out the woodwork to tell me that I was just so far out of line. To tell anybody about the fucking leading cause of death of black women after the fucking breakfast club, bitch. But I will say since becoming a creator and really just getting more into like my shit and more into my body and like, you know, my waist is getting more snatched as I age. (laughs) Um, Mine ain't, but shit. (laughs) Your dad is still looking. (laughs) You're so silly, Jasmine. I think it has just like, bitch, I got options. Like, <laughs> that's, that, that is what I will say. I have plenty of options. It has opened my eyes to like a lot of people who you think would never, you know, get lost in the sauce is lost in my sauce. <laughs> that's what I will say. And won't leave me alone, bitch. <laughs> pop up. Just popping up. <laughs> Everybody popping up. <laughs> We're friends. <laughs> so inside joke, niggas, if you know who you are, good. Because um, that like, no, your nigga likes me. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> it's it. not because I'm confident. Huh? It's not because I'm confident. But it's it is because I'm confident. It's literally because drenched. Drenched God. Saucy. Like, I'm saucy. And Hella yet- fucking smart. <laughs> And your, your nigga want to lick the bone, goddamn. Has <laughs> the bone. So, that's all I got for you. Yeah, I think I used to think... There's... Uh, Malaya did one of my readings last moon, and she said that um, there's no competition, just growth and abundance. And I think as... And I've, I've had some, especially over these last two years, I've had some pretty hurtful experiences when it comes to my relationships of just meeting I think the breakdown for me is coming across people who are they hit all the check marks right they like you they find you attractive they want to have sex with you they want to spend time with you but literally also because of society they can't make the decision to stay around I guess and be supportive Mm -hmm. so that's what I'm saying Mm -hmm. hard experiences and lessons learned Mm -hmm. but what I will say to that is, um, while I like to joke and all that, and we talk about ruining lives and all that, like all that's real life, and fact. <laughs> I also know that the reason why, or at least I know for a fact, I talk about this or talk about my attractiveness now so much. Because I know what it's like for young men to point at me and just have the most awful things to say about me and my body. Mm-hmm. And just, yeah. And those kinds of things don't necessarily leave you because you are inundated with images that let you know that you are not attractive. Yeah, this society, you're definitely not the standard. You know, it's that sixty-seven percent that you are talking that you keep bringing up from refinery, right? Mm-hmm. That while over sixty-seven percent of the population is a size fourteen, but less than two 
percent of the images media representations so that's absurd and it's just a lie like it's not true and that that shows up even if you go if anybody goes to hbo go right now and go to the late night section you're not even going to see black people Mm-hmm. you're only going to see white women with blonde hair like we aren't even a porn category you know what i mean on hbo on hbo and and cinemax right just these pink nipples pastels pastels even in, on the front page of Pornhub, and like this shit seems like mediocre mm-hmm. however this shows up in who we believe needs comprehensive sex ed. Mm-hmm. This shows up in who we believe deserves to be on TV. Mm-hmm. That when Gabourey Sidibe has a sex scene, because we have to understand that Gabourey Sidibe is having sex. Mm-hmm. Most of your fat friends are, mm-hmm. unless they choose not to have sex. Is was a whole ass sex worker was a phone sex operator. Hello, Gabourey Sidibe. Yep. That people, when you see people look at that and laugh as if they aren't fucking people who look exactly like this woman, it's kind of absurd. That's that what, yeah. Look like this woman, look like you, look like me, look like yeah. Cecily, look like Malaya, look like Gloria. stay ruining somebody's life. Just. When I met Cecily, I was like, well. What am I so afraid of? Let me get my shit together is Please. what I said when Please. I met Cecily the Bowen. Bad, she means every part of her Twitter handle. Yes. Bad, fat, black girl. She had to change it from bitch because she started working for white folks. <laughs> Anyhow. So, Jasmine, what is something that you want to do that you haven't done yet? So, mine is very simple. <laughs> it's get a passport. Great. Um, I'm gonna tell you why you shouldn't be embarrassed by that in one second, but tell me, <laughs> finish saying what you're saying. Yeah, so I am 29. Mm-hmm. I think, well, should I admit that Glory wouldn't tell her age? She gotta have a reason. She a smart bitch. Anyway, I <laughs> am. <laughs> I'm getting up there. And I didn't start traveling or getting on planes for real until I was like 23 years old. Girl, the first plane I ever took was in college. Yeah. And the one other time I got on a plane, I was like 13. And my mom was in this heart study. And we went to California. And this, yeah, this study paid for the plane tickets and the hotel room. And... Yeah, my mom participated in this heart study, and it was just an awful experience and never got on a plane since then. Basically, it was a payback. We had family in California, too. Mm -hmm. So, just kind of worked out. But anyway, since then, I have traveled a lot of the country um, because of the movement work that I've been a part of, which has been really cool. I even went to Puerto Rico. I told y'all that I came back uh, Sumadre Nueva, (laughs) your mother, your new mother. Um, for those who don't speak Spanish, <laughs> like you, <laughs> like myself, but I got them three words. I got what I need. I got Supadre. <laughs> so funny. Anyway, um, I really want to do that um, so that I can start traveling abroad, specifically seeing more black people around the world. I definitely want to visit more countries with black folks. Specifically, I would like to travel the Western Hemisphere way more. Yeah. Because Middle Passage didn't just come here. It came 
all over this place and we have created really beautiful and colorful cultures in spite of this this oppression and just getting more connected with black people globally yes every time i watch house hunter international i'm like i could do that shit i'm Um, always mad that they complaining about not having a dishwasher oh every time I get it. Now, I wouldn't live in D.C. without a dishwasher, to be honest. But, girl, you move into the middle of the mountains in the yeah, middle. Yeah, they do. They do complain about dumb shit. I'm like, bitch, this is a tree house. Of course, I don't have no goddamn dishwasher. So, it was a dirt road coming up this. What the fuck? So, fun fact about not having you not having a passport. I have never in my whole entire grown-ass, black-ass life owned a driver's license. Mm. I do not drive. I just did not have time to learn when I was a senior. I just don't drive. So whenever people are like, get a passport or else you ain't this, that, and the fourth, I'm like, that shit is really dumb. Like, <laughs> you get a passport when you need it. I'll get my driver's license when I need that shit, which is now, I must say. Word. But now Uber, bitch, I ain't really got to deal with my fucking thing. I ain't that. A nigga is too poor to be going abroad with keeping a book. Y'all, shit. y'all ain't dropping enough money in the PayPal for a nigga to Hello. go abroad. So, uh... <laughs> How do you want to use Black Joy mixtape to inspire black people? Mm. One is to let black people know that building our own, own platforms on our own terms is possible with our access to, for now, to, to the internet and just resources that you, however you want to uh, produce or give to the world, whether that's through organizing, whether that's through communication, whether that's through tweets or like a beat face, that that's possible. Another way that I want to use the Black Joy mixtape to inspire people, to let the Black community in on the fact that Black women are inherently and historically feminist. That this is not a term that is only created and held by white women. That this idea that you, regardless of birthing humanity or actual children or taking care of communities or what have have you, that you as an individual, just as you are, how you come into this world is worthy of protection, is worthy of respect and dignity and humanity. And it's okay to talk about that in the context of not only being black, but being black in, um, uh, being black and someone who identifies as a woman um that this is yours this is your shit i've been reading um audrey lord lately and she's like yeah we was doing that shit 20 years before the feminist movement so like that to me is important because i again grew up in the black church and a lot of the anxiety i felt um the smallness that i felt being invisible was because of my gender, not because I didn't have healthy images of black people doing things, but because at every turn I was told that I wasn't supposed to talk as much or do as much because I was a black woman, unless it was the context of like worshiping God. Um, so yeah, that's how I want to use the Black Joy mixtape to inspire people. What about you? Man, so I mentioned school and all of that. And... It's something, there's this weird thing that happens when you're in grad school um, where you are learning all this stuff. You just getting, just reading just a lot of stuff. You're going to professional development classes. You're learning how you should interact with 
people who may end up being your peers, i.e. your professors. That's the point of grad school um, in some ways, to maintain or perpetuate the academy, right? But while I was going through that process, I just really felt like who I was prior to those moments, a black girl from West Jackson, uh, West Jackson, what's up? Um, I felt like it was counter to who I was supposed to be in this academic space. And in some ways, they carried on into my professional life, um, especially as I learned how to do communications, um, learn how to pitch and all this other stuff. And... I said all that to say it wasn't until my aunt came up to me and was like, I really like what you're doing, but I don't understand a word that you got to say. (laughs) And um, that was probably around 2012. And so the inspiration that I want to give black people is the way that we talk, the way that we are. The way that we walk, the way that we move, the rhythm, the natural rhythm, the the unnatural rhythm that we have, whatever you want to call it, the sauce, the the swag, all of that does not take away from our intelligence. No, you don't have to give up any of it. We do not have to move under the... I'm so grateful Jen Stowe said she doesn't parent under the white gaze. I don't live under the white gaze. At all. And to be clear... While I can hit you with a smooth Gucci Mane lyric and one breath and hit you with the people's platform and the second breath, be very clear that they are why I'm a genius. No matter if we are black folks who are in the ghetto, if we're poor, if we don't, if we don't structure our sentences all the time like me and amber y'all hear us mess up all the time and that's on purpose yeah we don't always have to say words exactly the way they told us to right now we might get creative on how to explain our point because we, we just can't say this stuff but it's important for our people to make sure that they know that no matter what, they are brilliant. Mm-hmm. And that our genius does not have to look like the genius of white folks or what no. white people have told us is genius. Because one thing I know for sure is Goldlink is out here making his raps be a part of the cadence of the beat right now. While saying like some really cool lyrics, and, then, and that's yeah. genius is all get out. Zaytoven on them keys on them Gucci main beats. <laughs> I don't know what and where. I don't know who taught Zaytoven to play Just like even that. the idea of like people <laughs> meeting so many black people in black churches who play by ear. Yeah, like have y'all? I don't. I hope a lot of people who, who have heard that, like, literally, I have met masterful musicians. Mm-hmm. I had to learn how to read music to learn how to play any instrument that I learned mm-hmm. to master it. Masterful black church musicians who cannot read a lick of sheet music, mm-hmm. but will play your ass under the rug. Easy. And I've seen a like. And this is why I say and black women are are like not only geniuses, multi-level geniuses. Black women are multi-level geniuses dealing with multi-level bullshit, okay? <laughs> um that like before I ever heard of a glorious Steinem, Mary Alice was taking me to the church with her to feed hungry people. Mm-hmm. What's more feminist than that? Mm. 
Like, that's community care. Like, and we belittle all that shit. Mm-hmm. Do you know why black women are able to make, like, pots and, like, big-ass servings of food? Like, naturally, like, I can't get my food down to one serving because I've learned from the likes of Carol Phillips, Mary Alice, Kibby, a.k.a. Sylvia, Bina, like I've learned how to cook from them and they've never just cooked for themselves in their whole entire fucking life. Like that kind of shit is in like just that blackness. You know what I mean? That deserves to be on a national stage. I can only cook about three servings. I'm I got a solid four in me every single time. <laughs> Cause I have two sisters and a mother, you know, I'm an only child. Yep. Yeah. I got a solid four servings in me for everything. Mm-hmm. Like, it's stupid. Yep. Yeah. I just started learning the the power of making um one, like, a half a cup of rice, nigga. Like, <laughs> got tired of wasting that shit. <laughs> you do cook a lot of rice. Always. I'm damn. giving you two to four cups every time. God damn. <laughs> it's only us, my nigga. It's only us, nigga. <laughs> Can nobody eat all this rice? <laughs> but what you do is you put it in the in the refrigerator, and the next day you you make fried rice because uh, fried rice is better with cold rice, not freshly cooked rice. This is all fact. And the you more you know, go to Trader Joe's, get you a frozen pack of mixed vegetables, get you a little Bing, pack of chicken. Bam, boom. You in there? Dinner. Bam. So anywho, I just feel like. This is Creators Month. We're talking about how we create, why we create. Niggas is connected to family. Niggas is creating because I ain't seen this before. I ain't seen it. Toni Morrison wrote The Bluest Eye later in life, air quotation marks, um, because she ain't never read no shit like that before. She wanted to. And she just was like, boom, pow, bang. Anywho, what's your quick hope for Black Futures this month, Jasmine? Man. My hope for black future is for black people to no longer have to go on a quest for wholeness, mm-hmm. but to the moment that we are born, our wholeness is readily acknowledged and also celebrated. And also the society goes to great lengths to make sure that people maintain their wholeness my hope for black futures this week is ask for what you want you just might get that shit so where can they find you online jasmine y'all can find me at jazz on your mind across social media platforms twitter instagram snapchat snapchat did i say ig ig um, I'm just Amber J. Phillips on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And, you know, hit us up. Send us your shout out. Visit theblackjoymixtape.com. Theblackjoymixtape.com. We're also on Instagram and, and Twitter on at blackjoymixtape. And, y'all, please don't forget, if you learned a little something, heard something you love, got a little extra change in your pocket, go ahead, drop us a little something in the collection plate. You can find it at paypal.me backslash blackjoy. 
This is Amber J. Phillips, the High Priestess of Black Joy. And this is Jazz, the King of the South. And you just listened to the, the Black Joy mixtape. are related to you. Get your ass to the back like a basic bitch do. All them chicks that be hanging, hold step to the side. Then let the girls with them dicks come slanging with pride. Now all the fellas that got love, please report to the front. And just keep the shit real. We the bitches you want. We, we the bitches you want. We the bitches you want. And just keep the shit real. We the bitches you want. She got a, 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 she got a,